Thanks for joining us here at Thrive Church. We're a church passionate about moving people towards Jesus. For more information, go to our website, www.thrivechurch.co.za. Morning, everybody. All doing okay? Good stuff. Well, welcome to church. If you're new with us this morning, um, uh, I know that you're here for a, a reason, and there's a significant reason you're here. God had an appointment with you this morning. We're finishing off a series. It's called The Dust from His Feet. It's a series where we've been learning, uh, like first century Jewish rabbis would have walked and their followers would have walked behind them, as they would have walked the dust from their feet would have kicked onto the feet of their disciples. This series has been learning about how it is that we can learn to be disciples of Jesus so closely, we can follow Him so closely that literally the dust from His feet gets on our feet. Are you with me? And we've been learning how it is that we can be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. If anybody asks you, well, what does it mean to move towards Jesus? It just means that we learn to be with Him, we learn to become like Him, and we learn to do what He did. Learning to be with Him speaks to our devotion. Learning to become like Him speaks to our character. Learning to do what He did speaks to our mission. You and I can only fulfill the mission that God's put on our church and on our lives if we understand that our characters need to be formed by Him, and our characters can never be formed by Him unless we're in devotional spaces with Jesus. Are you with me this morning? Last week, Pastor Ken preached a phenomenal message on how it is that we can become more like Him. That as we look at Him, as we keep our eyes steadfast on Him, uh, as we look at His Word, as we're in His Word, guess what? We start to change to become like Him. We start to look like Him. We look in the mirror and all of a sudden it's not us in the mirror anymore, it's Him. Are you with me? This morning I want to bring the series to conclusion. And the next Sunday, Pastor Chris Matabula is in the house with us. And he is going to preach you to your feet. If you've never heard him preach, you're in for a treat. You really are. I think he's a very significant man in our country. He's bridging the gap between government and the church. And he's, he's bridging the gap between black and white and racially integration, uh, racial integration. How many of you know that our, voice, our, our country needs voices of unification, not voices of division? And so invite you. We'll bring everybody and anybody you can. It's going to be an amazing, amazing morning. And then for the men, just to quickly remind you, Pastor Donovan Castle's with us from Raymond South Family Church next Friday night. A man for the moment. If you're a man, you would have known, you would have experienced those moments in life where the moment arrives and you're like, how do I deal with this moment? How do I be a man for the moment? I remember that clearly when Caitlin was born. I'm like, how do I, how do I be the man that I need to be in the moment now? But that moment happens when we're retrenched. It happens when we have a challenge with our kids. It happens when there's a death in the family. Are you with me? It happens when we get offered a dodgy business deal. It happens when we get offered a promotion. How to be the man for the moment. So he, he phoned me this week just to talk me through what he was thinking and asking if that was okay. And just like I was up on my chair by the end of it. I wanted to. So good. So he's going to bring a great word for us. Anyway, back to the story at hand. Um, this week, how it is that we can do what Jesus did. I started asking myself this question a few weeks ago and thought, what did Jesus come to earth to do? I mean, he did a lot of stuff. Hey, we know that. He, he gave and he forgave. He sacrificed and he suffered. He served, he prayed, he preached, he taught, he fasted, he got baptized, he got tempted, he spent time in solitude, raised the dead, healed the sick, 
challenged hypocrites, loved the least of these, died, rose, ascended to heaven. All of that he did. But at its core, at its essence, what did Jesus come to earth to do? Because unless you and I, as Christ followers, know what he did, you and I won't know what to do. Because if our mission is to do what he did, then we've got to be crystal clear about what it was that he did so that we can do what he did. Because his mission becomes our mission. But his mission can't be our mission unless we're clear on what his mission was. So I asked myself the question, and I'll ask it of you this morning. In essence, bottom line, one sentence, what did Jesus come to earth to do? In a nutshell, I want to suggest to you that I think Jesus came to earth to create a kingdom. I think he came to create a kingdom. What's the definition of a kingdom? A kingdom is simply, a, don't want to get my thing wrong because it's on your notes. A kingdom is a people governed by a king. Are you with me? So I think Jesus came to create a people that would be governed by a king. He came to create a people that would relate to a king in heaven. Not an earthly king, but a heavenly king. It's, he's the king of heaven. That's why it's called the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus came to create a kingdom. If Jesus came to create a kingdom, what are we called to do? We're called to create a kingdom. The kingdom of heaven. Watch this. Colossians 1.13 says this. For he's rescued us from the kingdom of heaven. Uh, sorry, the kingdom of darkness, and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Jesus came literally to pluck us out of the kingdom of this earth, to pluck us out of the kingdom of materialism, from the kingdom of hedonism, from the kingdom of safety. He came to pluck us out of it and plant us and transfer us into his kingdom and to make us a people that would be about his kingdom. Is this making sense to you this morning? And once we have responded to that call to come out of the kingdom of this world and made a decision to plant our feet in the kingdom of heaven, to be about the kingdom of God, we're called to go and recreate that kingdom wherever we set our feet, wherever we move and have our being. Are you with me? Our job, our mission in life, is to recreate the kingdom of God wherever we are present. Because we've been called out of one kingdom into another, and we've been called to take that kingdom and to be about that kingdom wherever we are. Is that making sense, 10 o'clock? Say hello if it is. Okay. 1 Peter 2 verse 9, watch this. You'll see the kingdom thinking coming through here. For you're not like that, Peter says. You're a chosen people. What a royal priest's. See the kingdom thought coming through again. God's very own possession. As a result, in other words, as a result of the fact that you're now being plucked out of one kingdom and in another, as a result of that, you now can show others the goodness of God. You can recreate the kingdom of God where you are in your work, in your school, in your college, in, your, in the places that you live and move. The question becomes, well, how do we do it? It sounds great, it preaches sexy, but how do you do it? How do we recreate the kingdom of God where we are? I want to 
start by suggesting to you that I think the key to understanding how to do this church is understanding that the kingdom of God is what we call an upside down kingdom. It's upside down to the kingdom of this world. It's upside down to the kingdom of this earth. It's upside down because it's so completely diametrically opposed. It's so completely different, it's upside down. Everything's upside down. In God's kingdom, the least shall be the greatest. The servants shall be the masters. The poor shall be the rich. Are you with me? Everything's upside down. So it's an upside down kingdom. I got thinking, how do we recreate an upside down kingdom in the kingdom of the world? How is it that every space we occupy and inhabit, we bring the kingdom of God to that space? How can we do that? How do we bring an upside down kingdom? Well, I thought to myself, I think there are three areas where we need to bring upside down thinking to those areas because they're so dysfunctional and the world has got it so wrong and the kingdom of this world has got it so completely messed up that if you and I would bring the kingdom of God to these areas, our planet could be different. Our worlds could be different. Our schools could be different. Our colleges could be different. Our universities could be different. Just, we don't have to change the world. You just have to change your world. You with me? Like, let's not, let's not overstate what it is God's called us to do. He hasn't called us to change the world. He's called us to change our world. Just the people you interact with. Just the influence you have. Just the life you've been given. Just the people that you touch. Are you with me? Three areas where I think our world has gone so completely dysfunctional that the kingdom of God needs to come in these areas. Are you ready for them? I hope that you're able to take notes this morning. Those who take notes go to heaven a lot easier than those. <laughs> See the guys, I'm getting my notes up. First area where we need to bring the kingdom of God is by loving mercy more than ourselves. Who are we to show mercy to? Well, we should to show mercy to our enemies, aren't we? You know, when someone wrongs us, um, hurts us, harms us, the natural thing is to want to get our own back, isn't it? Get, get our own back as quickly as we can, sometimes as viciously as we can, you know, get revenge, make it sweet, all of that kind of stuff. And Jesus presents an upside-down kingdom to his followers, which is you and me. Jesus says, oh, I've got news for you. Here's how I'd like you to treat your enemies, Matthew 5. I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for the boyfriend who dumped you last night. (laughs) Pray for those who spitefully use and persecute you. Is being dumped not persecuted and used? Doesn't make sense to us, does it? But it's to show mercy to our enemies. To the, who's our enemy that, who's harmed us? Those who have harmed us. I read the story about a young man called Abdullah. His surname is Hossein Zadeh. Sheesh, it's Iranian, so give me a break. He was killed in a street brawl a number of years ago. Got into a street fight. 
except that the man who killed him was known to him. He was his soccer buddy. He was his friend. They'd grown up together playing soccer, going out. They went to the same bars, the same hangout zones. They went to the same clubs. They did the same stuff. One night they got into a fight, and this man who killed him, a man called Balal, brought a knife to the fight, and he knifed him to death. As is custom in Iranian law, if you murder somebody, you get executed. And so Balal was sentenced to death. A number of years later, as the time of his sentencing or his execution arrived, the night before the execution, streams of family and friends came through the household of Abdullah's mom and dad. His mom's name was a lady called uh, Alinejad. Alinejad had lost two children now. Her youngest son was just 11 when he died in a motorbike accident. And this was her second son, Abdullah, who had been knifed to death by his friend, Bilal. Bilal's execution was due to take place the next morning. And that, that night before, family and friends streamed into her house. And they didn't offer her any words of wisdom or try and convince her not to go through with the execution. Because in Iranian law, you get the opportunity to pardon the, the man who's been sentenced to die. They just sympathized with her and just stood in solidarity with her. Early on the Tuesday morning, which was the scheduled day for the execution, Alenejad stood in the courtyard of the prison where Bilal was scheduled to be executed. She turned to her husband and asked what to do, and he said, you have the final say, he said to her. You've suffered so much, we'll do whatever you say. Bilal was made to stand on a chair with the noose around his neck and his hands tied behind his back and a blindfold put over his eyes. And in Islamic law or uh, Iranian law, the family of the uh, victim who was murdered gets to execute the person who's been sentenced by kicking away the chair so that they'll hang. And... uh, Alinejad approached the chair, and as she got there ready to kick it away, she stood up onto the chair, came face to face with her son's killer, and slapped him across the face. Yeah. And she wrote, she said, after that slap, I felt as if the rage vanished from within my heart. I felt as if the blood in my veins began to flow again. I burst into tears and called my husband to come and join me on the chair, and as he did so, he asked, she asked her husband to untie the noose and remove it from Bilal's neck. Within seconds that had happened and Bilal was declared pardoned. I think that's mercy, isn't it? I think mercy is the stronger accommodating the weaker. That when it's within our power to act gently, we do so. And we can do that with our enemies. We can do that with the least of these. We can do that by actually, when a a beggar approaches us, not to just discard them and dismiss them and not give them a look. Even if you roll down your window and say, hi, sorry, I've got nothing today. We can act mercifully to the least of these. We do that because Jesus was merciful to us. 
God was merciful to us. I just feel like for some people this morning, maybe there's somebody in your life that you've got a noose around their neck and you just relish the opportunity to kick the chair and just see them hang, you know? But if you'd show mercy, it's almost like the blood in your veins would start to flow again. Start to live again. How do we create the kingdom of God in our lives? By showing mercy when it's within your power not to. Micah 6 verse 8. So it's a, it's a verse we should all memorize. It says, O oh people, the Lord has told you what's good. This is what he requires of you. People say, what does God want me to do? Here it is. To do what's right. To love mercy. And to walk humbly with your God. Second way, I think we bring the kingdom to earth. We create the kingdom of God is to serve others more than we serve ourselves. You know, Jesus had some disciples. He had these two brothers, James and John. James and John got their mom to come and do some of their dirty work for them. These were Jewish mommies, boys, if ever you've seen them. 40 years old, still in the house, right? They're like, Mom, can you have a word with Jesus and just say, Jesus, when your kingdom comes, could we sit on the left and the right of you? In the positions of power. The mom goes, what any good Jewish mom goes, of course, my son. She comes to Jesus and she does it. And Jesus responds. Watch what he says. He says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. And those who are great exercise authority over them. Watch this. He's going to talk to you about an upside down kingdom. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to be great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to do what? To give his life a ransom for many and to serve. Jesus doesn't have a problem with greatness. Some of you are like, I, I want to live a great life. God endorses that. Jesus wants that. He doesn't have a problem with greatness. He just says the path to greatness is very different to what you thought it might be. The path to greatness is through the service of others. If you want to become great, learn to serve. Who here watched the World Cup final? France, Croatia, World Cup final. Who watched the medal giving ceremony, like the congratulations ceremony? Like the, the you know, it, it was beautiful. But it started to rain, like a little way into when they were giving the medals and all sorts of stuff. And at first it was a gentle rain and, oh, you know, nice. Then it became a, a solid downpour and then it, it eventually became torrential. Like absolutely torrential. And Vladimir Putin is standing there, and next to him is Emmanuel Macron, the president of France. And next to him is a beautiful lady, the president of Croatia, the blonde-haired lady that you see there. She's wearing a Croatian top. This woman is an amazing woman. Let me tell you what servant leadership looks like. She took unpaid leave to come and watch her team play every single game. Unpaid leave. She, she, she took leave to watch her team. She booked herself on economy class tickets. Paid for her own accommodation. See, the world is looking for a different kind of leadership. Isn't that inspiring? She's, she's hands down the best leader of all of them there. She's there in her top. She's not interested in looking sexy. She's there in her Croatian top. 
supporting her team, congratulating her guys. You see, that's the coach there that she's got. But now it's raining. But the Russians, who are the host nation, organize old Vladimir an umbrella. <laughs> and an umbrella guy. Uh, question. What about the presidents of their two finalist nations, France and Croatia? They don't get umbrellas, right? Why? Because it's all about Putin. Kind of like, like a picture of how the power of the world operates. Kind of like a picture of how the world thinks about stuff. I'm the host, so I'll get the umbrella, even though I've got no hair to mess up. You're with me. The president of Croatia with an unpronounceable surname. That's why I haven't said it. Uh, wonderful lady. <laughs> Phenomenal leader. She's drenched. Emmanuel Macron, he's drenched. Contrast that to last Saturday, that thinking where so many of you guys went out to serve the city and serving teams. You see, the kingdom of God can come to Boxburg and Benoni and Germiston and, you know, even Brackpan. <laughs> when we decide to serve. But the kingdom of this world will remain when, when we get our own umbrella guy. You with me? Matt, would you mind coming up again? And Ollie, would you come on up and ask where you are? Yeah. Um, just want to introduce you to these amazing gentlemen because... Uh, these guys yesterday went to the Boxburg prison just down the road here, and um, they did some worship for the guys, and then Martin, who's not here now, he was first, first service, Martin preached, and 800 men heard the gospel yesterday because these men decided to serve. You see, there's, there's like inconvenient passages of scripture where in Matthew 25, Jesus says, well, I was in prison and you didn't visit me. So like, what do we do with that as a church? You see, like, I, I don't, I, it's not acceptable that there's some passages of Scripture we take seriously and others not. So God says you've got to do something for prisoners. So I have this conversion about this. It's like this, this conviction about it a few months ago. I'm like, God, we, we need to make a way. So we phone the prison, and they're like, yeah, okay. Kuda keeps at it, keeps at it, keeps at it. Eventually they give us, okay, serving Saturday. But then a guy gets stabbed on the Thursday, and then one of the gods dies, not related to the stabbing. <laughs> so I have to say that. And then, so they like quick. And then Ollie got sick last, last week. He was, he was in hospital last week. But he got up, and this Saturday it happened for us. And I'm so, I'm so proud of you guys. Really, I am. These guys are tighter than brothers. If you want to see brothers bond, just send them to a prison together. Check how they stick together. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> Grown men quivering in their boots. You must check it. That's a picture of where you, you see, you can bring the kingdom of God there can bring the kingdom of God to prison. Where, what other area do you know where the kingdom of the earth reigns supreme than a prison? Guys are hurting each other, killing each other, raping each other. Like, where else do you know that needs the kingdom of God? So four men.
can bring the kingdom of God to 800 prisoners just because they decided to serve. Are you getting my point? Are you receiving something this morning? Third way that I think we bring an upside-down kingdom, that we create an upside-down kingdom on our, in our world is by realizing that giving is better than getting. Acts 20, this is um, Luke writing, but he quotes the, the words of Jesus. He says, I've been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Some of you are like, I've heard those words before. They sound great. How do you know it's true? I know it's true because anybody, any time anybody stands up and says, I'm going to serve, guess what happens? Something happens within them. It's one of the youth last week, Saturday. He, he went out with his team to go and serve the city. They encountered some, some people who were in serious poverty. He comes back, he's got no shoes left. He's got no shoes. He's like, dude, what happened to your shoes? He's like, I met a guy. And this guy didn't have shoes. So now he's got mine. Now I've got other pairs in the cupboard. You with me? That feeling is better than the feeling of getting a new car or getting a new pot plant. You know what I'm saying? Or like any of this other garbage that we pursue. Are you with me? It's like how many pot plants do you need in your house? Am I making sense? So that young man brings the kingdom of God to another young man because he realizes that it's so much better to give than it is to get. Imagine we were a church that did that all the time. Like my mind boggles at the possibilities of every single one of us in every one of our domains, whether you're in school or college or careers or a home executive or whether you're building a business or whatever it is, imagine that you just looked for the opportunity to bring the kingdom of God through showing mercy, through giving rather than getting, and serving others more than you serve yourself. Can you imagine what would happen? Can you? Families would be different. Workplaces would be different. College classrooms would be different. Businesses would be different. Employees would feel differently treated. You you with me? Our church has one explicit purpose. We're crystal clear on what it is that we want to do. We just want to help people move towards Jesus. So each one of us would be somewhere on that spectrum that you see there. Maybe some of you, uh, you might be on the left-hand side exploring faith, exploring God, or maybe you're feeling far from God for any number of reasons. Maybe somebody in a church one day messed you up, did you, over, did you in a business deal. Maybe somebody acted dodgy towards you in a church. I heard a story today, uh, the other day, of a man, he, he passed away the other day. When he was seven, he got raped by a priest. 
like I, I don't, I don't know actually what to do. Like I, I don't know what to do with that. Like I just actually, what, what do you do with that? My mind doesn't know how to process it. I don't know. I don't know what to do with it with my soul. You with me? Maybe some of you've been let down, hurt, screwed over by somebody in a church somewhere, or maybe God let you down. You felt like God let you down. But all of us have to come to a cross. We'll either come this side of heaven or, or the side of life, or we'll come to meet Jesus when we die. But all of us will have to deal with the cross of Christ. And for those of us who choose to do so this side of eternity, we become new in Christ and growing and then Christ, close to Christ and Christ-centered. What does it mean when you're Christ-centered? It means that you've learned to be with Jesus. You've learned to become like him and you've learned to do what he does so much that he's the center of your life and you're not. You're with me. Every decision is to make, would Jesus want that? Would Jesus want that? You're with me. But no matter where you are on that spectrum, locate yourself quickly now. No matter where you are on that, I think each one of us could take a step towards Jesus by making a decision for mercy today. Or maybe it's a decision to give today. Some of you are like, there's no ways I'm giving God my money. Do you know what the end of my month would look like? Do you know what debit orders would bounce? I know that. I think the same stuff. It's not that we live in a different world to you. We also eat and have bills to pay. It's just that maybe you haven't got to that point where you could trust God with the end of your month. Maybe today that's the thing for you. But giving is more than financial. So maybe some of you have never given yourselves to a community. Life group cards on your chairs. You could sign up for a life group today. So I'm actually going to invest myself with somebody else and stop living behind my wall all of my life. You with me? Or maybe for, for some of you today, it would be serving. You're like, how, do, how would I use my life? Well, before you leave today, you could, you could sign up. There are cards at the info desk in the foyer. Just sign a little card that says, I'll serve. I serve. That's why it's called I serve, because I'll serve. It's very clever the way we name these things. <laughs> you with me? Yeah. But whatever it is, what it, maybe some of you, it's two or three of those areas, I don't know, but I do know that you could move towards him if you'd make a decision like that today. Let me encourage you with a story that I heard the other day. Heard a story about a water bearer in India. This is a guy who goes from his master's house to a river every day and he gets water. He has a, a wooden pole across his back and one big ceramic jar on either side of the wooden pole. His job is to go from his master's house to the river, fill up both jars and bring it back for water. He does this day in and day out until one day he's been to the river, collected water, and he's on his way back and he lays the ceramic jars down, and one of them starts to talk to him. He says, I just feel so bad for you. He's like, whoa, what are you doing talking to me, jar? <laughs> Once he gets over the shock, he says, well, why do you feel bad for me? The jar says to him, I just feel so bad for you because I've got a crack in me. 
And when you walk to the, the river and you fill me up, you fill up two jars of water, but because I've got a crack in me, I leak. And when I get back to the, your master's house, you've set me down, I'm only half a jar full of water. I just feel so bad that you carry all that weight and put all that effort in and you don't get the reward of, of your work. You're only able to deliver back to your master half a jar. The man looks at him and smiles and says, tomorrow I want you to walk this journey with me a little differently. In the morning, he picks up his pole with his two jars and he says to the jar with the kraken, now, I want you to notice the path on the side on which you're carried. As he does so, he looks down and he sees these beautiful flowers lining the path all the way through to the river. The man said to his jar, I know you've got a crack in you. I've known that. It's not news to me. So what I did is I planted some flower seedlings along the path that when we would walk, you would water those flower seedlings. And those flowers are the result of your watering. And when I get back home, unbeknown to you, I retrace my steps back along this path and I pick those flowers and then I cut them and then I put them on my master's table and it brings him great joy. I thought to myself, isn't that like us? Although we are cracked, and we think, I wonder if God could use me. And even now you're like, how could I create the kingdom of God where I'm at? I'm so cracked it's not even funny. I've got good news for you. Because we're all cracked pots, aren't we? Turn to the person next to you and say, you're a crackpot. <laughs> Turn to the other person and say, you too? <laughs> the team are just getting up because they were going to do something beautiful for us in a moment. So don't worry about them. Just stay focused. Hey, those of you with ADD, stay focused. Is this making sense to you? Because what the crackpot did was brought life and growth and beauty to the path that it walked along. And I thought, my, isn't it like that with us? That though we be cracked pots, we get to bring beauty and life and wonder along the path that we walk along. That our path would be scattered with flowers. Though we're cracked, our path would have beauty. Our path would have flowers. Our path would look like the kingdom of God. And the other part, the other part which is supposedly put together, is dry and dead. Don't ever discount what God could do through you because you think you've got a crack in your pot. He can use you. He will use you because he's put a river of living water inside of you. And all that you've got to do is make yourself available to bring the kingdom of God where you're at.
Are you with me? Don't ever say I'm a crackpot. Crackpots are the best pots. Crackpots depend on their master. Crackpots can do stuff. Crackpots at least know they're cracked. Are you with me? Come, let's pray. I'm going to ask us all just to give each other moments of privacy. If you're a cracked pot but you want to be used by Jesus, if you're a cracked pot and you want to come to Him and place your faith and your hope in Him, if you're a cracked pot and you think, God, I, I know you can use me, I'd love to pray for you. I'm calling all the cracked pots this morning, right? If you want to be used this morning, if you want to come to faith in Christ this morning, if you've realized this morning I've got a cracked pot, but hey, my cracked pot can be used, I'd love the great privilege of praying for you. Just on the count of three in a moment, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hands so I can see who you are and include you in my prayer, okay? All across this place, ready on the count of three, one, two, three, hands up all over this place this morning. Hands up, hands up, hands up. Thank you. So many, so many. Thank you. Up in the balcony. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you down here. Thank you, guys. Lots of you down here. Thank you. Just keep your hands up so our team just know who you are and we can just pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's wonderful. Thank you. So many of you guys. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you. You guys can take your hands down. Thank you. I'm going to just pray for you. Church, I'm going to ask, would you, would you pray with me? The reason we do this is so that these people can know there's somebody next to them that's a crackpot too. Father God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that though I'm a crackpot, you can use me. I can come to you. You can give me purpose direction and life this morning I come to you cracked and all asking for your forgiveness and for your grace and for your love would you use me save me mold me and make me into all that you've called me to in Jesus name And everybody said, Amen. This message was recorded live at Thrive Church. We hope that it inspired you to move towards Jesus.